All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mining Matters, a mine safety podcast presented by Fisher Phillips. My name is Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is my partner, Arthur Wolfson. Arthur, how are you doing today? Doing well, Chris. It's a beautiful day. I think uh, spring is in the air and looking forward to some nice weather and summer activities around the corner. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, May is May is here in full force. And uh, typically in this area of the world around Denver, by the end of May, we're a full-blown summer. So it'll be, it'll be 90 plus degrees and we'll be, you know, pining for the days where we had rain and maybe even a little bit of snow. No more snowstorms. I've been in those in Denver. <laughs> yep. Well, also May, as we all know, is Mental Health Awareness Month. So today on this episode, we are joined by a special guest returning from last May, if you, many of you may recall, Rayanne Burgo. She's one of our partners in the Pittsburgh office, and she's going to join us once again to discuss a very important issue near and dear to all of our hearts, mental health, mental health of the mining industry specifically. And again, you know, creating awareness, I think of this very important issue. So how are you doing, Rayanne? I'm great. I'm great. Enjoying the sunshine, as you were both talking about, and very happy to be joining you again on this important topic in May when we know that there's a lot of emphasis on awareness for mental health in the workplace, but just generally also. So I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously last year we did a podcast episode which I think has been our most popular or most frequently listened to episode of all time, which is really great. And, you know, we did um, a couple of webinars for various associations, you know, a lot of people buying in and um, really appreciating, you know, that we're talking about this issue. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, we've done this, we've created more awareness, but I've had more people come up to me at various conferences or what it, whatever it is it, talk about mental health. And obviously, you know, we do mining, right? Mine safety work. So, you know, we're talking about how it applies in, in, in the mining industry. And uh, there's a lot of hunger out there, I think, for more information and kind of outlining some practical steps that, you know, operators, mine operators or employers can take, you know, to kind of start addressing this issue. So I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. Arthur, do you have any uh, input in terms of kind of building off last year's episode, maintaining some of this moment? First of all, I just, you know, I'll brag a little bit on Rayanne. She's in, in the Pittsburgh office along with me, and she's really just does a terrific job of bringing this issue to the attention of employers in all industries. And so we had her on last year to talk about it in the context of the mining industry. And as you mentioned, Chris, the response was terrific. We had more people listen to this episode last year than we had to talk about how to deal with an MSHA inspector or how to deal with an SNS citation. There's more interest in mental health, which I think is great. You know, the other thing is we are also presenting to associations again this May. Rayanne and I just did one earlier this week for a trade association and had a company reach out to us to say that they are interested in developing a mental health policy in their company. So that's just great. I mean, that's just kudos to our listeners and to those in the industry who are, you know, this might be a little new as a topic for the industry, but kudos to everyone for really um, jumping on board with it because it really is for 
our employees, right? This is to make our workplaces better and safer and everything. So, you know, last year, I think what we really tried to focus on was the first time we talked about it in the context of the mining industry was really just bringing awareness to the mental health issue. And today, I think what we'd really like to do is take that to the next step. And what are some takeaways, some practical takeaways for those that may be interested in taking the next step in their companies. But before we do that, let's do just a brief review from last year, because we had a lot of data, a lot of statistics to talk about mental health in the workplace generally. Rayanne, can you just give us kind of a brief overview of where we are in, in America and the American workforce today with mental health? I will. Before I do that, I just want to jump in and highlight that one of the things that we talk about a lot in mental health, and I'm bringing this up because of something the two of you had said, is just the discussion around mental health and how important that is to open the door for further discussion, to stop the stigma, how that's all related. And I think it's really great that you've both said that since we did the first podcast last May and we did those um, handful of presentations that people are, are feeling comfortable talking to you um, and having these discussions with you. And I just want to point out to the listeners that that's exactly what this is about, that having those discussions and bringing up mental health and normalizing the discussion just opens up further discussions. And that's the goal. That's one of the main goals. So that's awesome. Just wanted to say, I'm glad you guys both raised that. So moving on to, you know, the statistics, we talked about on the podcast last time, I think, how many Americans suffer from a diagnosable mental health disorder and it was estimated about 26% we talked last year. That number is pretty steady over the years. It doesn't change. So we're still looking about one in four individuals in your workplace. You know, just looking around at the individuals that you work with and might see in the office, one out of four on any given day could be suffering from a mental health disorder. There's approximately nine, nine and a half percent of Americans who suffer from a depressive illness, major depression, not bipolar and about 18% of people suffer from an anxiety disorder. So I, you know, those statistics just kind of put into place, into context, what may be going on in your workforce. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about last time was, or we may have hit on it, but I don't know if I had actual statistics, was what are employees reporting? So we have a current study and some current statistics that state that about 81% of employees report that they will be looking for workplaces that support mental health in the future. That's a really high number. And with that, about 84% of employees say that their workplace conditions contribute to at least one mental health challenge. So as we stated last time, and I reinforce continuously, you know, mental health and the work environment, the workplace, the culture are so connected. And employees see that now. And we are seeing a rise in employees and employers reporting that they're having more discussions, open discussions at work about mental health, which is really great, really great. So again, just kind of reviewing to put back into context what we talked about last time, the financial impact of mental health. I think one of the most important things to talk about is how individuals who suffer from depression or some type of depressive disorder are two and a half times more likely to sustain an on-the-job injury. And I think that's important for your listeners and the industry that you work in to really emphasize that particular statistic. Yeah, you know, Chris, I, I, you and I have been doing this for a while in the mind safety space. And, you know, you, MSHA 
frequently tries to draw some connections when there's an uptick in accidents or fatalities or, or injuries. And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Um, I haven't seen anything from MSHA on this, but you know, there's no reason to think it would be any different in the mining industry. Um, this is a statistic that stands to reason, frankly. You know, we hear about accidents related to newer employees who may not be trained or employees newer to a task. Well, here's another one, you know, employees whose focus might not be on the task or who might be going through something that makes them more likely to sustain an injury. And we are actually seeing that it's connected to injuries. So as somebody in the mine safety space, what's your take on how some of this data relates to where we are as an industry? Yeah, I mean, because it's not an issue that has been studied in any great depth, I don't think, at least in the United States. I think last May we referred to some studies that were done perhaps in Australia and Canada talking about, you know, mental health and mining. But because it's not one of these forefront issues, I think that's part of what we're trying to do is create awareness where frontline supervisors are able to recognize, um, you know, perhaps some signs, some warning signs, you know, if someone's not feeling great on a particular day or a particular shift. And, you know, kind of after our episode last year and then, you know, after our presentations, that really seems to be an issue, right? That people recognize mental health is very important in the mining environment, right? Because as you mentioned, you know, we have the training issues, we have the levels of experience issues, but I mean, you're dealing with large equipment, you're dealing with mining conditions that can change dramatically over a shift. And so I think it's really heartening to know that people have already identified, right, mental health as an issue in mining. It's certainly something to be aware of and how closely it does impact safety, right? And so, Rayanne, I think that's kind of what we're talking about today, right, in terms of what are some practical steps do you think that, and maybe not mine operators specifically, but, you know, construction, mining, industrial type environments, what sort of concrete steps can these employers take to address this issue? Because like I said, I think the awareness is there, right? But then once we have this awareness, we're aware, okay, it's an issue, then what, right? Right, exactly. I think that's exactly where we are. We've talked a lot, and I've talked a lot over the past couple of years about the awareness and why employers should be doing this. And not that employers really need a why, but just talking about how it really impacts the workplace. So we've done that. And and employers are aware, as you're saying. So now it's, what is the work that needs to be done to bridge that gap between awareness and actually really supporting employee mental health? One of the things that I've learned this year in a new study that I think relates to this, kind of brings us into now what do we do, is that despite employees having health insurance, they're still not getting help for mental health conditions. So... There was a study that showed in 2022, 40% of employees, almost close to half, who had severe or chronic depression or anxiety didn't get care. So there is an awareness. The health insurance is there and available, but there's a connection of some sort, you know, missing. So what can employers do to help employees figure out how to get that care or make that connection? And we could talk about some of those those practical steps. 
I mean, one of the reasons I, I also want to highlight too that the study showed why employees may not be getting help. Some of them the employers have control over, but some they don't. So one of the bigger ones was there's a shortage of mental health practitioners, and that has been going on since the pandemic. I mean, telehealth has made mental health resources more accessible, but there's just a not enough practitioners. And I've found that in, in my own personal life that, you know, I have individuals who are asking for recommendations and I can give all the recommendations in the world, but everybody is so backed up. Their workloads are very high. So sometimes that can't be helped, but there are other things I think employers can do. So some of the other reasons employees aren't getting help is what we talked about a minute ago and we're going to continue to talk about is the stigma around mental health. So employees are hesitant to seek yeah. that help. You know, the other one might be uh, long wait times in healthcare networks, which we can't really, you know, do anything about that. But there's also some disconnect with EAP and again, having some difficulty getting employees getting into EAP. So we'll talk about briefly, you know, what employers might be able to do to review and research. Are they really using the best EAP program, right? So that's that's one of the things to consider. Um, so real quick, Ram, one of, one of the questions I frequently get Mm-hmm. is who at a mine site or any, I guess, at an employer site should be sort of the point person, if you will, right? And again, assuming we have a designated person to handle mental health issues or questions, and, you know, typically it falls on to the HR person. In your mind, is that the right fit? Or, or um, you know, should they be talking to someone else? I think that it just depends on the employer themselves and what makes sense for them. I think that, yes, it is a, it is an issue that HR right now, I think is generally typically handling, but I think that it needs to be a collaboration between HR benefits and frontline supervisors, because it is an all encompassing um, issue that, you know, that it, it's not just an HR. HR isn't there necessarily working day to day, and particularly in this industry with with the employees. So they're not there. They don't know for sure what's happening. So I think employees should feel that they have a network of individuals that they can seek um, support and resources from, and maybe each of the individuals have a particular role in helping support employment all. And Chris, I'd throw in the mining industry specifically. I'd throw one more into that, and that's the safety department. I think that um, you know the safety department is a support system for the rest of the site. You know, typically that's how it's set up. It's not part of operations. It's not part of HR uh, typically, and it's it's there to provide support. And so the structure is there to do it in at most mine sites. You know, we we have safety meetings probably every day. We have a dedicated safety professional who is out there seeking out resources for PPE and ground control and electrical issues. And that's that person, I think, can also take this issue on. Um, and then in, and also in delivering, you know, the, the safety professional at the site is often does a lot of instruction, whether it's annual refresher training or whatever it may be. So um, frankly, I think this is an issue that's right for mine sites to take on, um, you know, uh, going forward. Uh. Arthur, I, I think that's a really good point. I think that one of the things I've seen some employers do is make mental health almost a subcommittee 
underneath their safety within their safety committee. So it does fall under the umbrella of safety, and um, that subcommittee is really the hub and then a liaison between HR, benefits, the employee, the supervisors, and collaborating all of that, that support. Yeah, I think another unintended benefit, Arthur, as you mentioned, right, the safety meetings, and if they were to bring up more of these, you know, mental health issues or a you know, sort of a self-assessment, if you will, right? I had one individual send me a chart and I, I think I shared with both of you sort of, you know, kind of taking your temperature mental health-wise, right? Like, how are you feeling today? And maybe, you know, covering one of those in the safety meeting from a, right, with one of your safety professionals um, on site, I think that could be one of the first steps to kind of break through the stigma around mental health. And, you know, obviously we've created this awareness, but that could be a good concrete first step, perhaps. So, Rayanne, talking about steps, I think you and I kind of, when we did this um, uh, in, a, in another context, we kind of came up with some six specific steps a company could take. And it's not saying that, you know, everybody is to take all six. We're certainly not saying that. But but there were some things you and I kind of identified as, you know, if, if this is of interest and you want to start taking some new steps, here's some ideas. So. Why don't you walk us through, why don't we start with the first one? What's sort of the first thing a company could do, practically speaking? So the first thing a company can do is really get an assessment of where they are and and where they need to be going. And so one of the things that I work with employers on is a mental health checklist. And it has larger categories that uh, there's questions underneath that you're just asking yourself in your company, whether that's HR, benefits, supervisor, whoever is going to be managing um, this initiative, to really just kind of check in and think about what, where is the company as far as um, mental health. And so some of them are more pra- more objective than others, and some are just a little more, I like to call squishy. So for instance, you know, one of the topics underneath the mental health checklist that I that I talk about is active listening. In the context of, are you listening to your employees when they are reporting stress-related issues at work? You know, I understand that it's one thing for employees to just kind of maybe talk about the day and, you know, this isn't going so well, but, you know, what are you doing with that information? Are you, are you really listening to identify maybe you're having multiple employees complaining about the same particular issue that's stressing them out, you know, are you, are you active listening is, is a skill. So, you know, something to consider. The other one is, um, you know, clear leadership are your supervisors and managers leading by example. So that's just an example of a question. And, and if you looked at the checklist, which I know you can't see now, you know, you have these topics and then underneath them, you might have three or four questions and the, the answers could be yes, no, or in progress. So there's no right or wrong answer. It's just really trying to check in where you are as a company. Well, I got to say, I mean, talking about how this fits in with the the mining industry, I mean, our industry does safety audits all the time. You know, we check to see how are, what are our safety systems? What are, what are conditions? Are we finding and fixing? Are we doing good exams? You know, that's the type of thing we self-audit all the time. So it's, it seems to me it would be a natural outgrowth of that um, to be able to do this type of an audit to give uh, an honest reflection of, of how we're supporting our employees. Right. And I think that it's, you know, again, something that's 
there's already something here that to start from, right? We we have a mental health checklist that you can already start from. And then you build it out based on how many employees you have, maybe what industry you're in. Um, one of the other topics to, to check in on on the mental health checklist is benefits and resources. So what are you providing to your employees? What are those lists of resources? Um, and what, what are those resources informing employees about? And are you promoting your EAP and your telehealth? And or do you have a list of community resources? So, you know, that's another big um, topic. And then the other one I, I want to mention real quick about the mental health checklist before we maybe move on is something that both you and Chris brought up, which is the supervisor education training, right? So it's important. What, what kind of education and training are you providing supervisors? And we can say broadly on supporting mental health, but I don't think that that necessarily does it, right? It's probably something more specific that you have to think about. You know, what are you doing to discuss and, and educate your tra- your managers on ending um, the stigma or how to spot changes in behavior performance? Um, how to discuss these concerns with employees without, you know, running afoul of maybe the ADA. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a starting point but it's it's not a hard thing to start it's not the checklist is not a hard thing to to take a look at and, and go through yeah yeah that's a that's a good point Ray and I, I was reading an article about um you know kind of breaking through the stigma and one thing that struck me was just a basic concept of supervisors but like what language do supervisors use right even when asking like hey are you okay right instead of saying what's wrong with you or, you know, what's your problem instead saying, Hey, is everything all right? Right. Kind of asking questions, but using language, which is much more, you know, sort of user-friendly and designed to, you know, not necessarily, you know, blame an individual or, you know, say, Hey, something, you know, is wrong with you. Um, you know, you're somehow deficient. Right. But, um, you know, kind of opening the door for discussion in, in those, in that context. So I thought that was right. Just kind of like a yeah. basic idea, right? And I thought that was interesting. Right. Because I think a lot of people are concerned or worried or uncomfortable. They don't know what to say or what they can say, right? There's a lot of rules around what can happen in a workplace, what you can and can't talk about, what you can ask an employee, what's confidential information, you know? And so most people, I think, um, and I don't blame them, err on the side of, I'm just not going to talk about it because I don't want to run afoul of all of these things. So that's, it's important to talk about and, and educate your, your managers on what they can say um, and what they can't say. And, and it sometimes, like you said, Chris, just as simple as saying, listen, it's okay. And you should ask an employee, if you're seeing a change in behavior, hey, you know, you've, you've worked here for three years and you've been on time every day for three years. And I've noticed in the last month that, you know, you've had a difficult time getting here on time, like six or seven times. I just want to make sure you're okay. It just seems out of the ordinary for you. Are you all right? You're not asking about a medical condition. You're not asking about what particular problem they're having personally. You're just checking in with them. So let's say that, um, you know, we've, we've done the checklist. We've taken as, as a good assessment of where we are as a company from a big picture because mm-hmm. it's, what's the next step right and what do you think would be the next thing that um we would look to do 
Well, the next thing is you want to look to what your employees need. So first you're assessing what you have available in your workforce. What are you doing? But then looking at what do the employees need? And so you're really like taking the pulse of do the employee, are the employees really aware of your resources? So you went through your checklist, you know what your resources are. You think, well, you know, I sent an email out, my, my monthly wellness email or mentioned, you know, when they come in and they're onboarding, here are our resources. So yeah, I checked that box. They know. But checking with your employees is really going to tell you, do, do they really know? Are they aware of it? Are they using the resources? And then what is really affecting them in the workplace? What's impacting um, their stress level, their mental health? That doesn't mean that you're going to be able to solve it right away or that there's something you can actually do, but just listening and understanding where your employees are is really going to help. I mean, there's, depending on you know, what, what industry you're in, what your workforce is like, you could do that by sending out a survey. You could add, you know, it doesn't have to be anything lengthy, 10 questions maybe. You could do it in your safety meetings that you talk about maybe. Um, but it's hard because employees don't want to be vulnerable necessarily and tell you, you know, what's wrong with the workplace. So sometimes a more private way of, of addressing it um, or one-on-one meetings, um, it could be something that you ask in performance reviews. You know, there's a lot of times that there's questions that are being asked of employees about what they want to see in the workplace or what they're finding difficulty with. There could be a particular question on a you know self-evaluation or a company evaluation related to mental health resources and the stressors. Of I think it's so important, too, because we're in such a time of change in the workplace and we're seeing this and at least we're seeing it in all industries but we are definitely seeing it in the mining industry you know we're coming out of the pandemic where you know the mining industry were essential businesses so there was really no stopping work during the pandemic but there have been the economic consequences there have been a number of retirements there's the workforce shortage we see you know you know there's still uh you know demands uh for our for the the products that our industry produces um, sometimes increase demand, which is terrific. Um, but, you know, that has an impact on workers, too, especially when there's a lot of new workers, workers taking on new responsibilities. You know, um, it, it's not to say we, we, we can't keep um, producing under those circumstances, or, or but it's just being mindful of it, I think. It's, are these creating additional stressors? And what does that mean down the road for our workers? So, um, okay. So, so what, if we've checked in with, with where our company is and we've checked in with our employees, um, you know, and all of these obviously are ongoing steps, right? It's not like we're just checking the box and moving on. This is an ongoing, just like safety. It's we never stop learning. So what, what, what would really be the next step once we've done these things? So I, the next focus I would recommend in the next step would be related to your resources. And I know I've brought them up a couple of times and there's a question on the checklist about them and whether employees are have this awareness. Um, but it's really taking a deep dive. And when I say resources, you are talking about health benefits. You are talking about EAP, but you're also talking about um, maybe internal resource groups for employees. Um, is that something that you could provide? Is there um, external community resources that you can provide? Is there a way to have an like an internet site that specifically it collects all of those resources together that are related to um, mental health and well-being, so that employees have one particular spot that they can go to 
um, and understand what's available. So it's really taking a deep dive on what resources you have. Right. And I'm, obviously, you want to make sure that the resources you have are meeting the needs that you've identified. Absolutely. You want to make sure that they're that they're effective. Right. Um, one of the one of the the topics that come up when I'm talking either with colleagues or I'm talking with counselors in the mental health field themselves is, you know, we put the focus on employees and supporting their their mental health in the workplace. But their personal and their family um, issues come to work with them. And so sometimes it's not that the employee themselves are having mental health issues, but maybe a child is. And so what are the resources and benefits that you have to support that employee's family? Do you have those? What, what are you providing to your employees that they can use? What resources can they use to support their own, their own family? So just another way of looking at it. Yeah, that's such a good point, right? Where, and I'm guilty of this myself, right? When I'm thinking about mental health, I'm thinking individually, but you're right, right? Yeah, what if you're, you know, your son, your daughter, your wife, your uncle, whatever it might be, mother, father are dealing with issues and how does that impact you? And yeah, I mean, just explaining, you know, the concept of what your benefits can cover. Um, man, I think that's really important. Well, I, right. I think too, the, one of the first things Ryan said, uh, the statistics of what employees are looking for now from their employers. So they are becoming more attuned to, um, we're looking to the employer to recognize that that it's not just about me. It's everything I bring to work. Um, and you know, as if 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 a workforce shortage persists, then employees are going to have choices, and you're going to want to be on on the forefront, frankly, of of providing this to be an attractive option as, as we continue to need employees. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think what talking of, you know, kind of moving into the next step and we say steps, but I want to mention that these are, it's not that you have to do these one at a time or in a particular order, you know, whatever fits best for your company, for your industry, for your employees, that's what you should be doing. There's no hard and fast rules. I think we're just kind of looking at maybe in ways, what are some of the easier things to bite off the kind of a low hanging fruit? Here's a checklist. This is going to give you your pulse of what's happening in your workforce. Um, but this step four, I think, is one of the biggest steps in terms of, I think, return on investment, I'll say, which is uh, talking about how to stop the stigma. And we, I mentioned that just by the fact that we're on here, that you have employers approaching you after our last podcast, um, the fact that we had a reach out after our presentation this week, Arthur, and somebody was interested and had a mental health initiative they wanted to push out, they're ready to go. Um, that's all fostering the dialogue, normalizing the discussion around mental health. And so that is an important step, an important um, issue to consider in your workforce. What are you doing to normalize the discussion around mental health? So one of the things that the biggest thing is having those leaders in your workforce who are having these discussions. And I know we've talked about it before, but I can give you a, a concrete example. I know of a couple employers who are doing a Stop the Stigma video campaign. 
So this might seem like a lot. I'm not suggesting that somebody should run out and do this, but just to give our, you know, give the listeners an example of what some companies are doing. And they have individuals in leadership positions who are doing a very short 30-second video clip where they're talking about an obstacle they've had to overcome in the workforce um, or some kind of mental illness. Maybe they're willing to share that they've dealt. And so that is opening up the door for all the employees to see and say, well, if they're talking about it, then it's okay for me to talk about it. You, you know, Rayanne, I have seen that exact same type of campaign from mining companies in the safety context where people are, you know, you're, I think most of, most of our listeners are probably familiar with the SLAM process, stop, look, analyze, manage hazards. And I've seen a video where people are talking about when they did or did not uh, employ the SLAM process at home. You know, there was a hazard in the house and I didn't, you know, properly manage it the way I'm taught to at work. And here was the consequence. And, and um, you know, so, that, so again, I go back to what I said before. I think that the infrastructure to roll this out is, is probably, is probably more there than we might even realize because we've, we've done a lot of this with safety, you know, um, there, there really hopefully isn't much of a stigma anymore against reporting safety hazards, working safe, you know, um, you know, that's been normalized. Um, and so I just think it's the next step to do that in the mental health context as well. Yeah, Arthur, I think, man, I think you're spot on there. I think of the parallels between what folks have done within the safety context could easily be you know, extrapolated or expanded into the mental health um, arena. And I can imagine what Rand, as you're describing, if you have, you know, a CEO or, or you know, whatever, uh, you know, management individual, mind manager, you know, do a 30 second video saying, hey, this is how I handle my stress, for example, whether that's, you know, meditation or therapy or, you know, taking advantage of something, right? But just, um, you know, building that awareness and breaking through that stigma, right? Where, you know, here we have a, you know, a leadership position at the mine talking about their own personal experiences. I mean, I would have to think that would be very powerful. Very powerful. And, and that, you know, that's not the only way to do it. It's a, it's a good way, but it's not the only way. So, you know, just putting mental health on the agenda. So when, whenever you're getting your employees together, whether it's a mental health tip, for the day, or um, if you're sending out any kind of communications, can you put in a mental health tip for the day? Can you put in um, um, spotlight on mental health resource that the company offers and including that in discussions at the beginning of meetings? So there's lots of ways to very easily build in just to keep reiterating a mental health um, discussion, right, to, to normalize that. So. But I think that, you know, you, you talk about um, having the discussions about it, which leads us to the last step, which we've talked about, which is, are your managers trained? Yes. Because they're the ones who are going to be talking about this, really addressing this with employees. And if they're comfortable talking about it, then employees are going to be comfortable talking about it. So getting, supporting your managers 
is very important. Um, how to stop someone, you know, how to spot someone struggling with mental health issues. And we talked about a few of those last time, which is related to just, you know, poor performance from individuals who, you know, normally are performing very well. So it's just something out of the ordinary. Habits are changing. Maybe they're not as social and talkative. So these are just examples. But, you know, if you provide your managers training with a list of what they should be looking for, um, you know, that that helps support them in their role in, in supporting employees' mental health. And uh, how to check in with employees. We talked about that earlier. Or how to respond to somebody who's seeking help. That's a big one, right? Like, what do you say when somebody comes up to you and says, I'm struggling I'm struggling. I, I feel like I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to have an absolute breakdown here. You know, what do you do? And I will tell you that re- in the last six months, and it's 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 unfortunate, but in the last six months, I've had at least three or four employers um, email and ask me, what do I do when somebody tells me that they're suicidal at work? What do I do? So, you know, we've worked out kind of a plan you know, what the steps to take, depending on where the employee is, are they in, are they actually at work? Um, Are they home and you're getting this awareness? So what different actions that you can take um, to help that employee? Because, you know, somebody who says that is is in a very dangerous position and it's very difficult to know what to do or what you can do. And that's obviously the type of thing you want to have in place ahead of time because you don't want to be calling i mean if you need to call for advice obviously call for advice need the assistance find it but if we can plan for it when the situation is not happening that is obviously optimal you know chris and and you and i have been doing dealing with with frontline supervisors at mine sites for for years and you know they are the face of so much of the company you know, in, in production, in safety, in, in employee relations and everything. And, you know, so I, I couldn't agree more with what Rayanne said is making sure those frontline supervisors are trained up. You know, we say it all the time when we do training, when we do, you know, we talk about whistleblower protections. You know, sometimes a whistleblower case rises or falls based on how that frontline production supervisor or maintenance manager or whatever responded to the employee at the outset. Well, you know, same thing's going to be true here. Um, the, the degree to which we are successful in helping our employees is going to, a lot of it is going to be based on these frontline managers. So we have to really focus on them and their well-being as well. Exactly. That's a good point, Arthur. I was going to follow up with that is you want to make sure that you're also supporting your manager's um, well-being. And I think a way to do that is, is to give them the tools to handle these situations. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's one of the best ways. Yeah, I was just thinking in my mind, like making sure that your supervisors and managers understand it's okay to take the time to address those issues, right? Because you know, you're absolutely right, Arthur. I mean, we preach the safety aspect all the day and work with, you know, HR documentation, and that's become sort of, you know, the normal process of how to handle those issues. And then suddenly, if you're confronted by a, you know, a manager or supervisor who may be struggling with their own mental health issues, or if they're dealing with, you know, an employee, at least, at the very least, make sure they understand it's okay 
to deal with that, right? You're not, you know, wasting time or resources or whatever, make sure. And Rand, yeah, I think, I think the big part of that is making sure they have the tools to do that, right? Right. Because you want to make sure that there's a clear understanding that you're not asking them to be counselors. I think sometimes there's a misconception of, oh, I have to listen to this employee and I have to spot these things. Well, I, I, I'm not qualified to give them advice. So that's absolutely, you shouldn't do that. Absolutely. No, that's the biggest no, right? You're not giving advice, but you're helping to provide them with support in the moment to get them to the right resource um, just at that time. So I know we have sort of the our, our last step for those companies that are so inclined is sort of the big one is a big one, um, and and that it, that would be um, developing a full blown mental health policy, probably company wide. Um, so Rayanne, can you talk to us a little bit about that? What does that entail, and and what steps would one take to do that? Sure, sure. So again, it 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 should be tailored to what your workforce needs what fits for your company and it should be you should be very deliberate and can consider what it is that you really can do right so you don't want to put out a mental health policy with all of these statements and positions that it's going to be difficult for you to follow through with at the time um so really thinking about how tailored it should be and what subjects you should talk about but some of the things that are one you know defining what mental health and well-being is um because it's just a statement by the company that we recognize that this is what is involved in mental health and well-being. And then talking about who's responsible for the policy. And I, Chris, that kind of goes back to, well, who does an employee go to when they have an issue? So identifying maybe somebody, one particular person that's responsible for implementing this policy. And maybe they're the individuals who, the individual who's like working with your safety group, your HR, your employee benefits. Um, this is some time down the line, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we see a chief wellness officer. I actually, I think that there are some companies that have begun implementing that. Um, so that could be the person. And then talk about possibly acknowledging what some workplace challenges might be, even if that's generally. We understand workplace affects mental health in these ways. Not that your particular company does, but just generally understanding. And then I think one of the most important things in a mental health policy is to identify what are internal policies that help employees um, uh, either support their mental health or where they can go. So that would be listing in your mental health policy um, where your harassment policy, your complaint procedure, where they can they can find the benefits policy. So it's just one place. Um, and I talked about briefly, just kind of like you could have an intranet that has that information on it. Uh, but maybe you have a, a link in the mental health policy, hyperlink that, that leads people to that page. Uh, and you know, listing the benefits, which I just said, and just the policy itself should be creating some kind of awareness, which it would around mental health and fighting the stigma. So maybe it is a cultural statement. And again, that's why it has to be tailored to your workforce um, and, you know, and what you're able to do at the time. That That is uh, a lot of great stuff, Ray. And, and um, you know, certainly, you know, like we've said, we're, we're seeing companies take this step um, developing their policies. I think that naturally flows from the other steps we've, we've talked about, you know, assessing where the company is, assessing what the needs are, assessing what resources we already have, what gaps we might have, and, and then we're ready to put that, 
put that you know pen to paper and and create that policy would is, is really um would be would be a great step to take um wow we've covered a lot of ground today wow <laughs> and certainly yeah this is great we certainly we encourage our our listeners out there to reach out if we may be of assistance you know uh um in developing a policy and bouncing ideas off of of any of us um you know whether it's from a mental health perspective from a safety perspective or both um you know we are here to help so uh feel free to 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 do that um Rayanne, you've just been terrific again like last year any any sort of closing thoughts that you have for our listeners I think that employers are are making great strides and I would say to all of you out there keep up the good work don't give up right sometimes it could be difficult but uh, keep up the good work Chris any 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 closing thoughts on your end from the mind safety perspective no I mean I was just kind of thinking you know how we can integrate some of this stuff into our you know our regular supervisory training um you know, maybe I'll add a slide or two and, and do a PowerPoint just to kind of bring this up. Um, because, I mean, you know, just based on the feedback that we've gotten, I mean, people recognize this is such an important issue. Yeah. And as Rayanne has mentioned, it's just going to get, you know, more front and center, right, as, as companies, um, you know, adapt and create these policies specific to, you know, mental health. So yeah, once again, you know, thank you, Rayanne, and thank you, Arthur. And you know, it takes a lot of time to kind of you know figure out how to present this in a usable format for operators. And you know, we've got a lot of positive feedback. So I think you know, hopefully that'll just continue, and we can, you know, keep this dialogue going. It's it's I think it's an important one to have. Well, I'm gonna take a, a stab here and say we will probably do an, an episode next May, given how uh, well received it's been. The first two years so we'll just kind of keep a good thing going and see where we are next year there we go um great well thank you to rayanne and thanks to everyone for listening um keep in mind it's all about our employees trying to keep everybody as safe and well as we can and that's what we're all in the business of doing so stay safe out there everyone and and have a good day take care This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. 